James chapter 2, we pick up at verse 8. James 2, 8 to 11, this Lord's Day morning. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. Let's stop right there. Father, this morning we thank you for this ongoing text as we have studied it of James concerning the practical application of truth in life, especially the life of a congregation of thy people. Favoritism and prejudice and, and uh, partiality is, is certainly not a good thing in the court. But we have learned of thee and thy word that partiality and favoritism is likewise a very bad thing in a home and a very bad thing in a church. And as so, we continue to study under that general sense of topical designation as Pastor James addressed it. We pray that you would expand our thinking to see the greater, deeper, wider doctrinal areas of application for every believer at study. Thank you for those that are here. May they all be hearing. So we pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. King Sol Solomon said that dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary, the drugstore uh, uh, druggist, uh, to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly, like those dead flies, so doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Ecclesiastes 10.1. There are numerous scriptures that would line up topically in that same vein that teach God's people that little lies and little lusts loom large in consequence, particularly before the judgment seat of God. James tells us in this expanding section that a sin like partiality might not seem to be such a big deal. 
on the scale of potential sins that include things like adultery and murder. But James' point is that such little sins, a little sin like partiality, clearly violates the royal law or the kingdom law with which the believer operates. Everyone gathered here this morning already knows that the truth does not exist that we might know it. The truth exists that we might live according to it. True to the principle previously seen in verses 1 to 7, there is a way to live that is consistent with the glory of Christ our Savior. We that name the name of Christ are expected to live in that way. While the little sin of partiality is still the topical theme, the development of logic in the passage of that theme expands into an important Christian living principle, increasing our sensitivity to little sins and reminding us that little lies and little lusts loom large before the judgment seat of God. Consider then, beginning at verse 8, the royal law. We start with the positive ending of this impactful verse. Verse 8, it says, Ye do well. That does not mean exactly the same as you do good. Ye do well is not grammatically and exactly the same as you do good. I have my seventh grade eight one teacher to thank for that understanding in my life. She would say to me when I entered the classroom, how are you, Timothy? And I would say, good. And she would say, no, well. Well, okay. <laughs> Ye do well is not exactly the same as you do good. The word well carries the idea of beauty and excellence. It is a statement of living a life in spiritual health and well-being. And when you know that, you can read verse 8 the right way. It says, if ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, if that's true of you, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. Now to that first word, if, we note that we have here uh, a grammatical first-class condition in the Greek, meaning that the word if is not conditional. Today we might say 
since or because a believer is fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, uh, they would love their neighbor as themselves. The New Testament believer is told that in Christ, he or she has the capacity to fulfill the spirit of the law of God when walking by the Holy Spirit. Such an energy, such an, a capability uh, was not possible for those under the Old Testament law, for the law as revealed did not empower the ones to whom it was revealed for living obedience. Here, James 2 and verse 8, the New Testament believer in Christ has the capacity to fulfill the spirit of God's law by the indwelling Holy Spirit, which is the believer's possession for having faith in Jesus Christ. So what exactly is the royal law with which the New Testament believer operates in life on earth? Scholars have long recognized that the two tablets of the law uh, represent relationships on the vertical and on the horizontal plane. The first four commands of ten are Godward. The next six are manward. The Lord Jesus, as you likely recall, summarized the whole law of God revealed to Moses at Sinai in the phrase, love God, love others as yourself. Love God. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. This not only commends the thought of the scholars, but defines the terminology of royal law as used by James, the half-biological brother of the Lord Jesus. We know that having recently worked through the, the Messiah's manifesto, that this herein called the royal law by the half-brother is also the law of the kingdom as preached by Big Brother, the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus told during the days of his earthly sojourn the parable of the good Samaritan. And uh, we might rephrase that uh, parable, the Samaritan who did well. Uh, but that Good Samaritan uh, parable, uh, we know, uh, tells of a man, unlikely, but tells of a man who acted, who lived beautifully and excellently in extending loving care when others, whom we might have expected to do so, did not. Jesus pressed the truth of his parable upon the lawyer that was questioning him, getting him to answer who exactly fulfilled the law in loving God and others. 
Who was it? Was it the Jewish priest? No. Was it the religious Pharisee? No. Who was it? It was the half-breed, the outcast, the Samaritan. The lawyer reluctantly answered correctly, saying that the Samaritan of all the unlikely people acted beautifully and excellently in the spirit of the law of God. James 2.8 says, Since you, as a believer, having capacity by the Spirit, because of your faith in Christ, uh, can fulfill the law in living, if you fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you will, you shall, indeed, love your neighbor as yourself, and in that, you act beautifully. You act uh, wonderfully. Uh, you act excellently. James says that believers in Jesus do well, do beautifully, do excellently when they love God and they love their neighbors as themselves. So let me just ask you, are you doing well today? Are you doing beautifully today? Are you doing excellently today? Because that's what this passage is about, doing well, doing beautifully, doing excellently. And you do that, you live that way when you love God, first and foremost, and then you love your neighbors as you love yourself. It is this love of God flowing to and through the believer that operates to fulfill the standard of the summarized law, the royal law of God made possible through faith in Jesus Christ and the possession of the Holy Spirit of God in the life of the believer. By walking in light of the scriptures, in the power of the Spirit of God, the believer fulfills the royal law, loving God, loving others as themselves. That brings us then, secondly, to the rancid sin that is identified and condemned in verse 9. But if ye have respect to persons, talking about partiality again, Boy, James, you're beating that drum. You're talking about favoritism again. Oh, James, uh, let it go. Let it go. Just let it go. James says, nope. Keep putting my thumb on this sore spot and rubbing it in so that you understand not just the sin of partiality, but that you understand the egregiousness of little lives and little lusts that loom large in a believer's life. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as violators, transgressors. 
in the light of the royal law to love God and others as one's own self, to operate, to live, showing respect of persons, favoritism, partiality, prejudice, is clearly to be identified and condemned as a big sin. So when you hear about the sin called partiality, your human brain is inclined to say, oh, that's not such a big deal. It's not adultery. It's not murder. It's not such a big deal. But God's word says, oh, yes, it is a big deal. So we see with all the strength of the Greek accusative, Another grammatical thing, I just throw it out there for you people that are smarter than you need to be today. Uh, James declares that such a person commits sin and comes under conviction of God's law as a violator without any reasonable doubt of violation. The word sin, verse 9, is the usual word meaning to miss the mark. And the related word, transgressors, means one that breaks the law or violates the law. And so we come to understand something of the rancid nature of the sin of partiality. It is not a little thing. It is according to James, a big deal in the word of God. That brings us quickly to number three, the range of comparison. And for this, we look to verses 9 and 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a lawbreaker, violator. Thou art become a transgressor of the law. Now, the logic in verse 11 is easier to grasp than the principle of verse 10. So let's start with verse 11. Thou shalt not kill, which we would call murder. Thou shalt not murder, and thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. We usually understand that in the sense of the violation of another person's life in murder. And thou shalt not commit adultery. We understand that as sexual violation of one's marriage uh, uh, and, uh, and one's own life uh, before God. Uh, both murder and adultery are re- readily recognized as big sins and violations of God's law even in this goofy day of ours. Uh, Murder and marital violation are not the same sin. 
nor do they necessarily violate the same person. I suppose you could murder the person that you committed adultery against. Well, that would be a doubling up of the thing. Uh, but murder and marital violation, they're not the same sin, nor do they necessarily violate the same person. But here's the point. Both are easily recognized and condemned under God's law. And so if you wanted to do the further, deeper, wider uh, uh, doctrinal uh, uh, dive on this, you would then uh, stick up all the Ten Commandments uh, before you uh, on, the, uh, on the board, and you would take the first one, no other gods before me, and you'd take the last one, thou shalt not covet, which we will tonight in the educational hour, and you put those two things together and you say, okay, now let's talk about partiality in light of violation against God and violation against uh, 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 somebody else in coveting. And, and then we'd take the aspect of the next two and the next two, and we'd use this idea of comparison to just take examples out of the law to pit one against the other and then uh, engage in the thought, you did do this, but you didn't do that, so when you're caught doing this, can you honestly say, I didn't do that when you done this? If you did this, you are a lawbreaker. You are a violator of God's law. And if somebody says, well, Pastor, I never murdered. I never committed adultery. I haven't broken any of the Ten Commandments. Hmm, really? Really? No other gods before me? One God to love back who loved you first? Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. There is not a single person in attendance this morning at the First Baptist Church in Elto that hasn't broken commandments one through four. We are all lawbreakers. We are all violators. We have all transgressed the royal law of God. By the way, anecdotally we might ask, how many lies does it take to be rightly called a liar? How many killings does it take to be rightly called a murderer. It is never really about which sin is committed or how often the sin is committed, but that every sin violates the law of Almighty God. So verse 10 says exactly that. Violate the law of love. In first, loving God, and or second, loving your neighbor as yourself, and you are guilty of breaking the law of God, the whole law. Such a one should feel guilty because they are guilty. The sin under discussion here is not a sin against 
physical life as is the name sin of murder. Nor is it a sin against marital life as is the named sin of adultery. But what is being dealt with here is the neighborly sin in the category of love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Favoritism, partiality, and prejudice are sins against the law of God, the royal law of the kingdom of Christ. This operational law of love is insisted upon in the believer's life at home, at church, and elsewhere. You are not to show favoritism at home. You are not to show partiality at church. You are to honor the principles of God's royal law in all places, in all ages and stages of your earthly life. Now, we might not often think that such love violations are in any way really comparable to the big sins of adultery and murder, but God surely does and tells us so. And more than tell us so, God demands obedience of all men. And more than demand it, God has provided in the life of the Christian whose faith is in Christ, the capacity to live on earth fulfilling the spirit of God's demand. We can do it. Can't do it on our own. But we can do it in Christ by the spirit. The spiritually healthy believer avails in Christ by the Holy Spirit to live a life righteously. And when he or she avails not, he or she is to be quick to confess, receive forgiveness, and get back to living a beautiful an excellent life according to the royal love and law of God, the very love of God shed abroad by the indwelling Holy Spirit in the life of every believer. Two Wednesdays ago, in the adult study of 1 Corinthians 13, we reviewed 15 characteristics of the love of God flowing to and through the believer. And after listing and working to specifically define each of those 15 characteristics uh, for the small little uh, class that come on Wednesday night, uh, I decided to have a little fun. And so I said, like I meant it, in conclusion, and you know better when a preacher says that to almost ever never believe him, but nonetheless, in conclusion, 
I said to the group that was gathered on Wednesday night, take these 15 characteristics of the love of God, study them further, pray over them, and resolve to work and implement each of these characteristics in your daily life and you will fall flat on your face. I then told the class that the list describing the love of God is not a list to be worked on. by greater human resolve and by greater human effort. It is a list of beautiful and excellent things characteristic of God's love manifest in the life of a person that walks with God and thereby knows the enablement of God the Spirit. In the last hour, I said, can't hardly imagine what kind of dynamic and joy and peace would be in America if preachers were more like John the Baptizer. And in this hour, I say, I can't hardly imagine uh, the blessing, the encouragement, the strength, the health in this church if you would walk with God. We got a problem. And it's not that we don't know how to define the 15 things in the list. And it's not that we're not working on the list. It's a simple matter of not walking with God. To live a life that the Bible calls beautiful. To live a life that the Bible calls excellent. To live a life that the Bible says, ye do well, is only possible by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit of God. The only way for you, for me, to live a beautiful and excellent life is in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's why the Apostle Paul told the Galatians, quote, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's why John, the Apostle, wrote, he that abideth in Christ ought himself to walk, as Christ walked. And that's exactly why the Apostle Peter says, Hereunto ye were called, Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. as we do indeed get ready to conclude this hour, and I mean that, I want to remind you that the truth and application here, it, it involves 
the little sin of partiality. But it actually involves all of the more frequently brought to mind sins in my life and yours committed against the spirit of the royal love of God in my life, in your life, day after day after day after day. And all of those little lies and all of those little lusts loom large when before the throne of God. And that's why when you're before the throne of God in prayer, the scripture is kindly to instruct you that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and, and, and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Because many times I sin and do not even know it, nor acknowledge it personally, much less before God. I can only tell God what I know about. You can only tell God what you know about. But God, so gracious, so kind, so merciful towards his children, when we go to him, confessing the things we know about. He is faithful and just to cleanse, to cleanse us from those things and from all the unrighteousnesses that have been committed day in and day out in our lives. But be sure of this legal principle in law as well represented here. If you violate any one part of God's law, you have violated the whole of it. And so I could say, how many here have committed the sin of partiality at home or in church? I don't want to see your hand. I do not want to see your hand. And don't you think that I was raised in mine? No, I would better say, have you ever loved God less on a day than you knew you ought? Have you ever loved God less in an hour than you knew you ought? Have you ever loved God less in a moment when you knew it was far less than what he deserved and the glory that he should receive. And again, I say, there's not a person in this room that would not have to honestly say, yep, yep. Maybe yesterday, maybe even already today, and maybe later today. You violate any part of that royal law, and as a believer, you got confessions to make. You violate any part of that royal law, and as an unsaved person, you've got a savior to take. Jesus Christ is our savior. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved.
confess your sins in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as a believer, and you will be made by God clean of all unrighteousnesses, those named, those unnamed, those not even as of yet perceived or known. Thanks be to God that he has called us to a beautiful life of excellence. I have every confidence in this world and in all of heaven that you, as a believer in Christ, can do here and now on earth in this sinful world well. You can do well. Father, we know you need to help us that. But help it leave clear in our minds. Let it be the prayer of our heart. Let it be the dependency of our walk that we might experience the reality of that excellent, beautiful life in thy brand of well. This we pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen.